Hello, everyone, and welcome to Speaking with Joy, a podcast to fill your soul, challenge your mind, and make you brave. I'm your host, Joy Clarkson, and an evangelist for all things good, true, and beautiful. So make yourself a cup of tea, find somewhere comfortable, and let's dive in to this week's episode. The problem with this book is not that it's too difficult for kids. It's too difficult for grown-ups. Too many grown-ups tend to put themselves into little rooms with windows that don't open and doors that are locked, and they want to close themselves off from any new ideas. But you're ready and open for new ideas and new things and new excitements, so I hope you'll enjoy this book. I had a wonderful time writing it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Reading with Joy, our summer book club where we will be exploring A Wrinkle in Time by Mala Lingle. This is, though it's hard to believe, my third year hosting a summer book club. Yes, and it's been so fun. And this summer I'm doing something special, which is that on every single episode, I will have a guest join me to talk about a chapter in a wrinkle in time for the next 12 weeks, because that's what a good book club should be. It should be discussing it with friends. And today I have one of my best of friends in the whole world, <laughs> my mama, joining me to give you this introduction to A Wrinkle in Time, a book that we both love dearly. My mother, Sally Clarkson, that is. <laughs> so welcome on the show, mama. Uh, I am so happy to be here. You know that this is something I would love to talk about for a long time. <laughs> well, I do because you were the one who first introduced me to this book. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that uh, at length. But when I was thinking about what book I wanted to choose this summer, it was it was interesting because over the last two summers, the first time I did this book club, I looked at The Great Divorce, which is a little novel by C.S. Lewis, and it's drawing on uh, all of these kind of big authors. So Augustine and Oh, what's his name? Uh, William Blake and, you know, the Divine Comedy. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a very kind of philosophical novel, um, but it's very esoteric. And last semester, or last semester, listen to me talking like a professor. Uh, a professor. <laughs> <laughs> um, last year, we did Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton, which is mm-hmm. a collection of essays. And when I came to this summer and I was pondering what book I wanted to do, I thought, you know, we have had a pretty draining year. Oh, very draining I for everyone listening. <laughs> I know. I, I cannot believe that it's only June. This has just been kind of a a parade of of difficulties. And so when I was thinking about what, what my soul needed, mm-hmm. I thought, it's not that I want something that's just distracting or um, kind of escapist, but I need something that will be fresh air to the soul. Oh, yeah. Someone that, something that will open up our imaginations, our hearts, even kind of our moral sensibilities is something more than the kind of cramped experience we've all been having as mm-hmm. we've all been at home and, and as the world has been this way. And as I thought about it, this is a book that does that. Mm-hmm. It is something that just as this uh, opening quote that I read to you all, that's the introduction that Madeline Lingle wrote for this book. Um, I think the, it adults was, forget how to imagine. They we forget do. how to wonder. They stay in this dark, crowded room that, yeah. with the windows and doors closed. I know. Well, and of course, we've all literally been doing that as we've been I know. Home. And so this is a book that is, for one thing, it's kind of a hard book to pin down. It's science and story and imagination, but it is a book that... And family and, and love. And family and love. Yeah. and But it throws open the windows of our imaginations. And so I feel like it's a really kind of fitting 
um, book that my literary cravings desired. Oh, your friends are going to love this. As, yes. As you know, this is one of my very favorite books ever written. I know. So. <laughs> well, and the other thing is, I think that, you know, this is a young adult novel. It's a, a kid's novel, if you think of it that way. But I think that we, as this introduction says very well, mm-hmm. we forget that some of the most profound truths are accessible mainly to children. Mm-hmm. And so I hope this will be something that will open that up. But Mama... You introduced me to this book because it was a book that you loved. So mm-hmm. how did you come to love Wrinkle in Time? Well, um, I I was I had just moved to Houston. Mm-hmm. I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And so it was my first time to really be in a place where I didn't know the children in my classroom. Mm-hmm. And I was in a new neighborhood. And I love people, as you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it I ended up... Um, contracting double pneumonia. Um, we didn't know it. I wasn't breathing very well. I'd always been an asthmatic. The um, ambulance, lit- or the my parents had to rush me to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. Another time I had to go to an ambulance for not breathing. Mm-hmm. And so the doctor said that I would have to be in bed mm-hmm. for at least two months. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was alone and feeling, uh, missing my friends mm-hmm. and I had this bay window, which was really unusual um, in this particular time in this little house. It was a a window that looked out on all of these pine trees uh, in the piney um, forests Mm -hmm. in Houston Memorial Drive area. And um, I would just be in my bed every day. And um, so my mom started getting me books. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think she had ever read this book before. But I remember I was in bed and... Um, and then, of course, it starts out with this wonderful caricature of this girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. She feels odd. She feels awkward. She doesn't feel like she fits mm-hmm. into anywhere. Um, she feels a bit lonely. Mm-hmm. And um, she's despondent and a little bit down on herself. And I thought, oh, oh, that's really me. <laughs> and I, I remember thinking, um, someone told me it was a science fiction book, which mm-hmm. I wasn't used to reading. Mm-hmm. And um, that also became a time when I became an avid reader. Mm-hmm. But um, I just remember kind of entering into this world mm-hmm. and feeling like right off the bat, I had a friend mm-hmm. who could identify with me. You were companioned. We were, I was companioned. I was. Mm-hmm. I was indeed. And you passed that love on to me because I remember, you know, when, you're, when your mom or an adult that you love and trust loves a book and you're 10 or 11, you also want to love the book. And mm-hmm. so I remember getting a copy of this, a little used copy from, I think, Goodwill or some used bookshop. And I got it and read it when I was around the same age and you mm-hmm. told me that story. And for me, it was one of the first books that I I really loved. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, I loved reading growing up, but... There's some moment I feel like for every reader where they they think this is my story. Yeah. I love this story. Yeah. I identify with it. And for me, it it kind of stuck with me. There was mm-hmm. something profound about it. So much so that when, you know, even now, I you know, I'm nearly done with a PhD. I've read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. But when people ask me what are what are some of your favorite books, mm-hmm. this one is one of them for me because it, it shaped my imagination. It shaped in some kind of profound way how I think about myself, about difference, mm-hmm. about um, about science and imagination. Well, I am pretty sure I vamped on and on about it, too. I know. <laughs> we shared together, didn't I know. we, about and it how was, much we loved it. It was so special because it was like one of the first books I kind of loved and owned as mm-hmm. a young reader, but then that we got to share mm-hmm. having loved it together. Well, you know, I'm doing a, um, a series this summer with mm-hmm. my friends once a week on my podcast about books. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I was sharing last week is that... Um, 
you can read lots of books. And there's so many book recommendations mm-hmm. out there that people feel like they have to read every book. Yeah. But I always say, no, what you need to do is dive into a book deeply mm. because uh, I wanted, I, when I look at the themes of this book, which mm-hmm. you have, you're going to talk about, um, there are some books that are worth shaping your philosophy, mm. your ideas, your understanding of people. And this mm. was a, this was a transformative book because it, it I, you know how it says two roads diverge in a yellow wood. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I took the one less traveled. This was the book that opened my life hmm. to taking the less traveled road. Hmm. And so I loved it because got, by entering into this world, it captured some deep-seated feelings mm-hmm. and thoughts that I didn't even know that were there. Mm. But as you say, she companioned me. Yeah. Well, if that's not, if we haven't given people enough enthusiasm for the book, I, I don't <laughs> and know. And they're going to read it and go, what? <laughs> no, and the thing is, it is a very simple book. And I've already had several people be like, I just flew through it. Because, uh, you know, uh-huh. you know, I'm going to do and this. And now they'll have to fly through it again. Well, they'll have to fly through it again, or they can read little bits at a time. But I thought I would read this C.S. Lewis quote um, about children's books. Because like I said, I chose this because I thought, you know, we all need, we're all a little weary. What we need is, oh, yeah. we need is a story. We didn't need something heavier philosophical. No. This is philosophical, mm-hmm. but we needed something that would um, that awaken our hearts. And it, it made me think of when I was choosing it, the opening to *The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*, where Lewis dedicated that book, which of course is a lovely children's book, to his own Lucy in his life, who mm. was a little girl who'd come to live uh, with her and her siblings with him during the war, uh, which is actually what the book is about. And he said, I wrote this story for you, but when I began it, I had not realized that girls grow quicker than books. And as a result, you were already too old for fairy tales, but someday you will be old enough to start reading fairy tales again. <laughs> so true. We, we, you know, I think right now with all of the challenge and difficulty we've mm-hmm. had in the past 12 or 13 weeks, um, to have hope and to have an imagination of something wonderful to believe mm-hmm. in is going to feed all of our souls. Yes. Well so, done, Joy. So I hope that we are all old enough to start reading fairy tales or um, young adult fiction featuring uh, deep physics research yep. <laughs> again. Uh, and I hope that it'll be a delight to your soul. Now, I should pause here and briefly say how the book club will run. And then we're going to give you a little background on Mama Lingle before we dive into this first chapter. So the way that this book club will run is that we'll do one chapter a week. So try to read read the chapter by the time the podcast will come out, which will be on Mondays. And then um, I will put up discussion questions where you can engage with people on my Instagram, my Twitter, and my Facebook. And then you can go in and put your own thoughts, engage with other people, put questions. The other thing I'm really encouraging people to do is let this be something that you do with other people. A book club should be a club, something that draws you together. So whether that's um, finding someone near you or finding an old friend, reconnecting with an old friend that you can Skype once a week, I'd really encourage you to do this with real life people. Mm-hmm. Discussion and, always makes it better. Oh, it does. That mm-hmm. was really one of your kind of philosophies with all of us growing up. Was oh, yeah. That you learn by chewing on ideas together and discussing it. You right. know, Socrates was on to something. <laughs> um, but now let's let's dive very quickly into who Madeline Lingle is. Mm-hmm. She is, when I think about 
people that I want to be in like be like in my life. I don't have very many role models. No, me either. Um, you are definitely one of them, of course. Thank you, thank you. Um, but I love Madeline Lingle because she is a true role model to me. She was an author. She wrote over forty-five books. Mm-hmm. It was mainly um, 45. forty-five. Forty-five. Wow, I forgot amazing? that. Yes. I know you got to write a few more books, Mom. Oh darn! I haven't written <laughs> enough yet. <laughs> um, but she she wrote mainly fiction and then uh, collections of essays. And uh, a lot of hers are very focused on themes of um, faith, creativity, kind of philosophy. Some of my favorites by her, uh, what are a few of her books that you like or have read? Well, uh, I like Circle of Quiet mm-hmm. um, because I long for quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the one about the writers? Um, oh, um, Walking on Water. Walking on Water. So she wrote a book on what it means to be uh, a person of faith who also does mm-hmm who does creativity and how to not be cheesy. And I loved, and I always encourage my listeners to do this. uh, I think when you can read a little bit about the person, even Mm -hmm. if it's just by Googling them, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but knowing that she was from the East coast and that, um, that she had uh, a bunch of children Mm -hmm. and they grew up in New York Mm -hmm. in right at the, in the forties. And she uh, attended Smith College, so yeah. the, the woman's college, still a woman's college. Very educated Very woman. educated. Um, I don't think she grew up in a particularly religious household, but she kind of came to own her faith mm-hmm. later in her life once she had children. Yeah. And her husband was an actor. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite books by her is she, um, she eventually moved out of New York to a little bit kind of out in the countryside, and they had this 200-year-old house. I think the house in this book mm-hmm. is based off of their house. I do, too. And I, I love that, you know, for me, she was a professional, and she was a mom, and yeah. she cooked, and she loved being outdoors. Well, I was going to say, that's the thing. And she didn't like to clean up. Uh-oh, I shouldn't I have said that. <laughs> I was going to say, something that I love about Madeline Lingle is that she modeled a kind of womanhood that... I wanted that yeah, was a full, appealing. Yes, a full-bodied woman part of every which, part of life. So what I was to say is one of my favorite books by her is the I always want to call it the Pickwick Papers, but that's not it. That's Charles Dickens, the Crosswick Journals. The Crosswick Journals. I love is, that book too. She wrote that when she's a little bit older, and she it was when her elderly mother came to stay with them, and then one of her daughters came back with her children. So it was the kind of the summer of the grandmothers. They had mm-hmm. four generations under her household, and she writes about what it was like to be someone who was fully a writer and fully a mother and how do you live with those two callings and the clashes between the two yeah. you know <laughs> and i i remember reading her and just feeling like she was such a full-bodied interesting person mm-hmm. who was faithful to her people and her callings and she i think something i love about her too is that she is so good at asking questions well she is a teacher i she love is. that she taught many people and she inspired them but the way that she drew them out mm-hmm. was to make them have to answer what was going on in their brains well and that's another legacy she had was that she did all these writing conferences mm-hmm. it was really fun i i tweeted about this to kind of get the feeling on if people you know if anyone had read Madeline lingle and I just tweeted something very innocuous, like, who likes Madeline Lingle? And I got literally hundreds of responses from people mm-hmm. that didn't even follow me who said, um, some of them were like, I got to be at one of her writing conferences. And Aww. she 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 was a refiner's fire, but she was so encouraging. Mm-hmm. And then so many people who said that she was one of the first people that helped them understand that you could be, you could have deep faith and deep questions. And those things at could the same be time, true. Yeah. So all this to say, she is just really someone that... Um, has profoundly impacted my life and Mm -hmm. is an author worth exploring. And that's always something I want to do too with these book clubs is not just to read a good book, but to introduce you to authors who there is a lot more to enjoy. Oh yeah. And I I think too, um, she comes with a, 
uh, a full conscience, a full yeah. education, yeah. Um, full understanding of the difficulties of life. Yeah. And she puts all of that into the story. Yes, she yep. does. And so, yes, so I hope that this will be an introduction to many people to Madeline Lingle for many people, mm-hmm. but that they want to keep reading. Right. I do too. Okay, well I guess we should actually discuss the book, shouldn't we? I know. Okay. So much to talk about. So much to talk about. So we'll start with this first chapter. I guess we should do a quick summary. What's happening in this chapter? Meg Meg wakes up, Meg Murray mm-hmm. wakes up on a dark and stormy night. Mm-hmm. Um, in the attic, which she had told her mom she wanted to live in until they had this uh, terrible storm. <laughs> you know, I love about Meg, her she's so grumpy. Mm-hmm. And I remember this feeling, particularly at her age, when you are kind of at that tween to early teens stage and you just feel so like life has a pebble in its shoe and you don't want to be upset and angsty and but you just feel everything deeply well and she starts out saying something i don't remember exactly but but she says something like um life was bad enough if it uh, without this storm and now it's even worse and i think that that many of us feel like that even about the past um, weeks of our lives i know i love the part where she demands of a teddy bear why must everything happen to me i know (laughs) um so she's having this and then she tumbles downstairs and Mm -hmm. finds her um her baby brother charles wallace and in this we kind of get a few facts about her life you Mm -hmm. know that her father is missing and there's kind of a mysteriousness around that. Her mother is an intelligent, beautiful scientist. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a little conversation. We get the idea that she's different, mm-hmm. um, that she feels kind of dumb, but that her parents don't think she is. Yeah, right. And then this mysterious Mrs. Whatsit appears out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Whatsit, and uh, this goes into the theme of different. Mm-hmm. Yes. But um, she is raggle-taggle, and she has lots of different kinds of colors and clothes and a shawl and a hat. And she is this very unusual and uh, very distinct character who cares not a whit about what anybody thinks about I know. Her. <laughs> I love the part where she falls on the ground while she's trying to get off her shoe, and Charles Wallace tells her to get up, and he says, she says, well... Have you ever tried to stand up with a sprained dignity? Um, but it's yeah. funny because for all of Meg's feeling different, she reacts very negatively to Mrs. Watson. So she, mm-hmm. she's kind of suspicious of her. Well, it, yeah. And um, and then very quickly, we'll finish our summary and then we'll dive in. Okay. Um, but the last thing is we kind of end the chapter with Mrs. Watson saying, and just so you know, tesseracts exist. And, mother, and Meg's mother, who seems kind of imperturbable is really bothered by this. Well, it, it, she kind of has to hold on to a chair. Like, really? Oh my goodness, she mentioned that word. And you we know? think the magnificent Mrs. Murray, who's beautiful and scientific and doesn't seem to be bothered by anything. Yep. So so that's our brief summary of what happens in this week's chapter. What were some of the themes you see in this week's chapter, Mom? Um, I'm just going to go back again to where I was mm-hmm. as a 10-year-old and mm-hmm. then read it later. But um, I think that... that what she unearthed in this chapter. Mm-hmm. For one thing, she is the heroine of the book, mm-hmm. or she's the protagonist. And, Meg, yeah. Um, and yet, she's not a perfect protagonist. Mm-mm. And I think a lot of people in our audience will um, identify with that because yeah. uh, we don't have to be perfect to have mm-hmm. meaning. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, I really, as I look back, mm-hmm. I I had always felt a little bit different. I'm mm-hmm. kind of one of those one percenters, intuitive, mm-hmm. out the box, you know, I'm visionary and so when they kind of defined the fact that Meg felt this way mm-hmm. I felt understood mm-hmm. I felt like um okay so it's okay to be different and uh even when I look at all of you kids mm-hmm. for the kind of education I was hoping that you would have 
I wanted all of you to know that each of you is different. You had Mm -hmm. an imprint of God on your uh, Mm -hmm. DNA and on your fingertips Mm -hmm. and fingerprints. And, um, And that being different and living into your full capacity didn't mean you had to fit into the conformity of culture, Mm -hmm. but it meant that you had a very special story to tell. This was one of the first books that unearthed for me Mm. that definition of, oh, my story can be different than everyone else. And it can be good. And it can be good. Yeah. I think one of the things I noticed when we were reading through this is that I think difference in other people often makes us afraid because if someone, you know, if something's different, if Mm -hmm. it doesn't fit in, if we don't, we don't understand it, and that makes us feel kind of anxious and afraid. So you see that everyone kind of reacts to Meg that way. Mm-hmm. You know, she kind of can't control herself. She's she's not quite doing all the things academically. She's not fully bloomed yet. She's not fully bloomed yet. <laughs> also, you know, I, I love how genuinely awkward Meg is. Because I feel like a lot of times... In, and that's how many of us are. <laughs> I know. I feel like a lot of times in books, you'll you'll have a character who's meant to be awkward, but it's just like they took a very beautiful girl and stuck glasses on her. Mm-hmm. But with, yeah, that's so true. <laughs> you know I mean? Meg, you feel like she genuinely just isn't getting on with the world. Mm-hmm. She, um, she can't find her center. <laughs> but what's funny is that Meg, you know, so you see that even if you have a parent who mm-hmm. narrates to you, difference is okay and you can be different and that's good. The world is so on the side of conformity and sameness. Performance, pretending to be perfect. Yeah. That it can be hard, even if you have a good parent, to believe that. Oh, so true. And what's funny to me about this chapter, too, is that Meg has spent, you know, the first half of this chapter Mm -hmm. bewailing being different and being dumb and all these different things and how everyone treats her. But then when we see Mrs. Whatsit, who's also very different. Extremely unusual. (laughs) Unusual. Meg has the same reaction to Mrs. Whatsit that everyone has to Meg. It's so true. And, um, and I think that's a theme that will be explored throughout the book. Something Mm -hmm. I love about Madeline Lingle is in, she writes about herself, I think it's in one of the Crosswicks journals. She said, I always felt like, she said, I feel like I look a bit like a giraffe. And when you look at pictures of her, she does. She's very tall. She's very tall and she did look a bit like a giraffe. Has a very deep voice. Yes. Um, we've been listening to the audiobook of her Mm -hmm. reading it, which is Mm -hmm. so fun. Um, And and she felt awkward in many situations, so I love it that she, just like C.S. Lewis put himself in in the Lion, Lynch, and Wardrobe, she puts a part of herself into this book. Yeah, but I feel like, as you were saying, there's this challenge we see in this to think about, how do we think about difference, and why does difference make us so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and so afraid when we encounter it in other people, when we encounter it in ourselves? And I think the book really goes on to kind of explore how difference can only not only be acceptable it's something Uh that can actually be very powerful Mm -hmm. and something that can be um, redeeming in our times and so that's kind of interesting. well and I I think too that um, she kind of exposes some of the silliness that Mm -hmm. we're subject to in this conformist world yeah she's in her classroom and she gets in trouble for not knowing the main um, uh, exports, the, of exports of Nicaragua. And she said, I don't know why I even need to know about the exports of Nicaragua. Yeah. And um, again, she just gets right at some of the most poignant things we need to know that yeah. education, thinking, a personhood isn't defined by memorizing facts or multiple choice. Mm-hmm. It's much more defined by your understanding of people in life. Yeah. I, I love how she says, no, you know, we aren't supposed to conform in every way and every thought and every bit of clothing and mm. every bit of what everybody else repeats we need to think about it and I remember Joy I was walking in Oxford with you mm-hmm. 
and you were the one who laid this on me. Hmm. And um, you said, you know, Mama, we really need to look at people in their own personal context hmm. before we judge them, before we um, we assess who they are or what mm-hmm. value they have. We need to say, what is your story? Mm-hmm. And who are you? And I think that's a big theme in the book. Mm-hmm. It's a contrast between people who conform and make judgments and have to fit in mm-hmm. to this power mm-hmm. behind it, or people who can be unique and different and living into their own capacity. I think I, I, I totally agree. And I think that, you know, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. I know, in the first sorry. <laughs> but I think that... Um, what this, even this very first chapter shows is that... Might be a foreshadowing as they read through it. Exactly. Know? Well, and that's something I want to end talking about, or some kind of themes to look for as we read through this. I think that conformity, um, we have kind of... The, I think it's attached to a feeling of fear, like I was saying. we have, Yeah. And so it's not that we should be different just to be different, right? No, like, that's no. not really good in itself. That's not the goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, you can be different and be terrible. You can be... Right. But the point is that when we when we conform out of fear, when we want everyone to look the same, act the same, be the same, that's that's not a a good um, beat for the heart of our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think that something that comes up over and over again, and I think that's even contrasted in this first chapter, is that the only way to counter that fear is to develop love. And I think that Mrs. Murray is kind of this picture of love in the mm. way that she speaks love over Meg, even as she's this kind of awkward, gangly person. Mm-hmm. And you see her the same way that she approach, approaches Meg's difference. She approaches Mrs. What's it? Mm-hmm. That she, because her heart is already bent towards love, mm-hmm. she can see. It's a, it's a grid she's decided upon. Yeah. Um, she doesn't encounter Mrs. What's its strangeness as something to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. She helps her take off her boots. And I think I think that's so a really interesting thing for us to think about is when we have that kind of gut reaction of fear mm-hmm. towards people who are different or act different or, or talk differently, or when we have that gut reaction of fear within ourselves for wanting to talk differently or act differently or be different, I think the only thing that can overcome that is a disposition of love, a disposition mm-hmm. that that takes people for where they are. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that is a theme that will come up over and over again in the book. Oh, I know. And I'm, again, I'm going to try not to give anything away, but mm-hmm. I think that what you just said is so important in it. The theme of love is that love is the only thing power enough, powerful enough mm-hmm. to overcome evil. Yeah. And, um, that's kind of a, well, a sub theme of the whole book, you know, that, that they have to make decisions about the, they are tempted to be drawn in. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of in First John, he says, uh, for perfect love, mm-hmm. there is no fear in love, for fear corresponds with punishment, but perfect love casts out fear. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you think about that idea of difference and fear, I think part of it's a fear of punishment, a fear of being cast out of whatever, but that perfect love is the only thing strong enough to cast out fear. That's and I so think true. That's such a good point. And I think that's such an important thing to think about now because I think our world is full of fear mm-hmm. and I think that fear really drives us to want to conform mm-hmm. um, in ways that divide us and pull us apart well and in, in the book again as you go through this that I think she shows what power there is in any person be they awkward or not yes because um, Meg kind of fully lives into eventually yeah her potential her power her, her exactly uh, agency as she is. 
her choice that will make a big difference in life. And that's all I'm going to say. And that love, <laughs> love makes room for us to see how mm-hmm. each person can be special. But love is life. a choice. Love is a choice. Yeah. Um, okay. So that leads us to, I, I always think it helps when I do these book clubs. I'm doing this also with my book club on Patreon on Julian Norwich, Revelations of Divine Love. Um, and so anyway, with books, I love to have themes to look out for because that kind of helps you see the arc of a book. And so I've picked out three, and we want to put these in your mind as you are reading through this book to think about and discuss. And they are th- these three. We've already talked about one of them, Difference and Conformity. The second theme I see is Wonder. And then the third theme I see is love. And mm-hmm. so as you're reading through this, kind of keep those themes in mind. But let's talk about them really quickly. So we've kind of gone through difference and right, conformity, right? right? Mm-hmm. This is the theme. Why are we afraid of difference? Um, why is conformity not the goal that we should go for? Um, how can we see how each person in their in their uniqueness, in their the great diversity of life and of personality mm-hmm. and of culture, um, why does that matter? Why does difference matter? And mm-hmm. why is it good? Um, and you really emphasize that in our education, which mm-hmm. I think this will connect to the next thing. But, you know, you're writing, a, you have a book coming out this summer about, mm-hmm. um, about your philosophy of education, which you really, which really shaped how we were raised, me and my siblings. Mm-hmm. And that was something that you really emphasized was looking at each child as someone who has a unique set of capacities, personality, strengths, mm-hmm. weaknesses, and embracing that and not trying to fit every person into every mold. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I really am going to move to the next theme, if that's okay. To wonder? Uh-huh. Yes. Because um, I, my, my book that I am releasing mm-hmm. is called Awaking Wonder. Mm-hmm. And, and in light of the differences and all, I, I really believe that within each person, each human being, there is an endless capacity to explore worlds, to mm-hmm. think, to answer questions, to, uh, to ponder color and music and sound and, and so on and so forth. And I think that, um, and of course, all of you kids, mm-hmm. I have two introverts, two extroverts, mm-hmm. two boys, two girls, two this, two that. I, I really believed that instead of educating you to multiple choice mm-hmm. or fill in the blank, I wanted to educate you to love uh, learning and imagining mm-hmm. and creating and engaging and questioning and doubting. And, um, and so I think that, again, what a lovely book she has made to show um, the differences in personality, the way mm-hmm. people judge people, mm-hmm. and yet how these amazing children mm-hmm. have these capacities mm-hmm. that I think their mom and dad unearthed for them. Yeah, and that's connected to this idea of wonder. Yeah. So for me, when I first read this, I think one of the reasons it stuck in my imagination, it kind of stuck in my my the way that I saw the world, was because it was one of the first books that... I mean, you read me lots of books in my childhood, but as for me reading as a little young adult, mm-hmm. it, like I said earlier, it opened the windows of my right. imagination. Imagination, the wonder and there. the thing that I love about it too is that, so this is properly science fiction. A tesseract is a real scientific thing mm-hmm. that people theorize about. So when she wrote this, she she did a lot of research on all the physics that people knew in the 50s, because that was when she was writing this. And she tried to incorporate it into it. And... Um, the reason I love that mm-hmm. is because Madeline Lingle was not somebody who thought that somehow science did away with our capacity for wonder mm-hmm. or did away oh, with yeah, the necessity exactly. for faith. Mm-hmm. Like she, she is a, she's a profound person of faith and she loved science. And she said she loved it because when she looked at all the galaxies in the world and the intricacies of how physics works and, you know, all these things that kind of bend and challenge our minds, it doesn't make our 
our faith smaller, it actually kind of cracks open a window so that we can see the vastness and the beauty and the wonder of the world. It's so true. I, I love that this is science fiction because yeah. throughout it, it's, you might think it's a little bit unusual, but she opens up the the corridors of yeah. your mind to wonder about things you've never thought about and, and possibilities. Well, exactly. And it helps you see that um, you can be intensely interested in the scientific facts of the world mm-hmm. and that that's not something that leads to kind of a dull, lifeless um, you know, view of the world, but they can actually be something that can enliven faith and make it more mysterious and more She wonderful. loved design and beauty yeah. and goodness, and that's yeah. what we loved about her. Well, and your book is all about helping wonder be awakening your children because that's what kind of drives curiosity. Unearthing and drives curiosity, learning. exactly. Yes. So, difference in conformity, science and, um, and wonder, and then the power of love. Well, and you know, that's a theme in our lives. Of course. Over and over again, um, that love transforms it. It brings beauty. It brings life. Yes. And that the only thing that can conquer our, our fears and things that divide us is, is to really ask, how can we love? How can we love? How can we be committed to that? And I keep on, this is really silly, but I, you know, I always have, I want to read it all head. over again. Well, you can, <laughs> we'll read it out loud together. While yeah, I'm home. That'd be fun. Um, but I, you know, I always have songs stuck in my head, and the song I've had stuck in my head for the last couple of days has been um, a line from a Sufian Stevens song where he says, for my prayer has always been love. And oh, I think that's wonderful. That's kind of one of the themes beating at the heart of this story. So true. So you're, This is great. I so, just love her, and I love this book club. <laughs> well, we will have so much fun. So I hope that you will all, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this discussion. I just consider it um having you all sit in on my book club Mm -hmm. and I hope that you'll join me next week read chapter two Um, I will discuss it with a different guest and we will make great hay of very small chapters as my mother and I have just now (laughs) and I am so happy that you're joining us have a beautiful week thank you mama for being on the show what an honor and and you just excited me all over again well good well everyone um, I'll come back next week check out my mom's book Awaking Wonder Mm. and I will see you next week for chapter two and we will find out what a tesseract is. Okay, bye-bye everyone.